Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to read from Psalm 119 as we begin our service this morning. Starting in verse 89, the Bible says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. God's word is eternal. And we're going to stand on that as it's preached today, as it's proclaimed today, and we lift up the name of Christ. I pray that you'd be blessed. And not just receivers, but as you receive then, there's application, and we all are doers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray as we begin our service today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship Christ. And we thank you now, Lord, as, as we lift up that name, I pray that all men would come under that banner and we would in awe and reverence and in respect, Lord, surrender our hearts to you today. And I pray, Father, that there would be a powerful move of your spirit that would cause us to respond, to respond in worship, not just to uh, be listeners or uh, just taking things in as a spectator, but, Lord, truly engaging in worship. And we thank you for this. Lord, we pray for LifeGate as they're wrapping up their service. We pray for a blessing over the response and the word that was presented there. And we thank you now. We pray for safe travels for Pastor Niles as he makes his way here to bring the word to us as well. Thank you, Father, for this time. We ask your blessing over it in Jesus' name. Amen. We certainly want to, <clears throat> we want to express our love and joy of all the moms in the church here. And, and I also want to express our deep appreciation to every woman in this church. I'm going to tell you something. Without you, I'm not exactly sure if we could make it. And uh, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask all of our men... You ladies stay seated. Men, let's stand and give them one terrific round of applause. Can we do that together? Let's do it. And since you stand, we're going to volunteer every one of you for VBS now. <laughs> and uh, that'll kind of help us out quite a bit. Thanks, guys. Stepping up there. Boy, that's good. That's very good. Would you turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy? The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, and beginning in verse uh, 4. These are the words that God gave to Moses and I believe God gives to us today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. A few years ago, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Dina, gave me a uh, birthday card. And it was a nice card, and those cards are always pleasant to read, but even more pleasant was what she wrote in the, uh, in the card herself. I'd like to share that with you, just a few lines. She said to me, she said, you have taught me so much how to love and to serve God, how to make the right choices, how to stand up for what I believe, how to be myself. I know I can always count on you. You know, as a parent, and now I'm a grandparent, sometimes you wonder, are we getting through? Are we getting the job done? Are we making a difference? Are, you know, the progress at times seems like it's just minuscule. And then you get a note like that, and you realize that uh, <clears throat> Everything that you invested has a wonderful payoff that's beginning to show up. And I'm so appreciative of that. My message today deals with families and the issue of discipleship in our homes. Andrew Murray, who was a preacher of at least uh, more than 100 years ago, was also a prolific writer, wrote a number of books and he says this in one of his books, it says this, the greatest danger to Christ church is not the infidelity of superstition, but a spirit of worldliness in the homes of our Christian people, sacrificing the children to the ambitions of society and to the riches and friendship of the world. That's quite a statement. And I don't think Andrew Murray had any opportunity to take a look at what things are like in 2018, but it seems to me like he did well in describing some of the issues that we face today in our church, in our homes, all across America, perhaps even around the world. That's telling me something. It tells me that you can give your kids many things, and if you don't provide them with an atmosphere of Christ's love, Christ's teachings, a sense of godly discipline, then perhaps all of the things that you thought you were giving them that would make them happy really are not the things you should have gave them at all. My message is titled, Dear Anybody, which is kind of a strange sounding title, but it comes from a little note written by a young person, a little boy, he was probably in the second grade, perhaps, or third grade. And he writes this. Dear anybody, my mom and dad are getting a divorce. Please help me, because this week I have to decide who to live with. Please help me. And he signed his name. 
And then he took his little note in his own handwriting and pinned it to a Sunday school bulletin board, hoping somebody would help, somebody would pray. You know what, folks, that happens too often. And I feel for those kids. And maybe you've been even through some of that, and it's a, it's a heart-wrenching thing. It's a tough thing, very difficult. We have people in our church right now sitting here this morning that have went through some very stressful things in their lives and their homes, difficult things. I, for one, am not going to be pointing a finger at you and said you should have done it better. Because you know what? We did it the best way we could with what we knew how to do. And granted, there's all kinds of mistakes today. You sometimes read of them in the paper. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that worked hard. And they did the best they could with what they had. And we pray for you. We sincerely mean that. The man called Abraham that we, most of us, probably most of us know something about Abraham, is also called the father of the Hebrew nation. But he was also a prophet and a priest to his family. <coughs> and instructed them in the matters of God. Serving God at home was more than just a theory to Abraham and to many of these leaders. It was something that you do. It was a matter of doing, doing and serving in your home. The tragic result of, of failing to teach and to lead our families in the ways of God is now resulting, I believe, in a wave of brokenness, quite a wave, a significant wave of brokenness and hurt that now even reaches into the church. There's without a question that God wants to bring revival to his church. I think many of us know that and understand that. But along with this desire is the fact that the enemy, the enemy of my soul and your soul and the enemy of this church is hurling his fiery darts into the church and as a part of that target list coming into the church are the families within the church. If he can maim and hurt and injure and even destroy a family in the church, <clears throat> he has won a victory. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be raising up a great standard, a great Holy Spirit standard, a wall, if you will, of against this destructiveness and a resistance to this enemy. We need to be putting on the full armor of God as parents. And we need to make sure that when our kids walk out the door, that they have the full armor of God on their lives because they are facing things that people my age, we never faced in our life. But they're up against it. And they need the help of God. They need the armaments of God. They need God working in their life from the time they wake up, time they walk through the door, time they walk into the schoolhouse, and the time they walk home. They need God at work in their life. And that work can be powerful. It can, it can, it can steer them. It can help them. It can make them uh, be people who know how to make right decisions. I pray for a lot of teenagers at these altars. And for every one of them, I guarantee you this, I'm praying, God, give them wisdom to be good decision makers. Because that's where it's at. I make a decision. Am I going to do this? 
or this. I know better about this. I want that decision to be this. This would be God's way. And God's choice. We need to understand this morning that, that uh, it's going to take a lot more than you just uh, sort of a little prayer as we come hustling out the door in the morning and everything like that. I'm going to dust off a couple of words that, that I don't hear nearly enough of today in this, uh, in this day and age, and these two words are this, responsibility and accountability. As a father and the head of my home, I am fully responsible for my family. It is not the responsibility of the culture, the school, the church, or anything. It is my responsibility for my children, for my home. I can't run out and say, the church did this, this, and this, and therefore my family is this. Sorry, man. It's your responsibility. Number two, accountability. It is not going to be the preacher. It's not going to be the staff of the church. It's not going to be anything else. I am accountable, and folks, I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to God in this thing. And that's important. The early church, I think, saw the issues of discipleship very well and perhaps as clearly as any, any group could. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in worship, in sharing things together. And the word says, and signs and wonders came among them. I don't know about you, but I could use a few signs and wonders in my life, in my home, in my family, in his church. But it's going to take those efforts to come together and, uh, <clears throat> and know what God is desiring. Our commission is to make disciples and nothing else. Our mission is to help people to draw close and to understand who Jesus Christ really is in their life. It's a decision that becomes meaningless unless it's going to lead to discipleship. I've given a definition of a Christian home. There's probably others out there. I'm sure there are. But in my mind, it's a place where Jesus Christ is incorporated into every aspect of daily life in that home. There's the Christian home. I also believe it means that uh, uh, <clears throat> Uh, that we're not going to have a Christian home just because we raised our hand in the church service, but when we dedicate ourselves to the hard work of commitment and prayer and a willingness, a willingness to grow personally, a willingness to grow our family around the things of God. May God help us to continually turn our hearts toward God and toward our homes. May God help us to break free of the idea that Christianity is a mere stepping stone to some success or how, how I feel about myself or something like that. I think it's interesting that in the Old Testament, <clears throat> the last verse of the Old Testament is found in Malachi, chapter 4, verse 6, which said, which Malachi said through, it was, it was God speaking through Malachi. He said, I want to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers now, there's a comma right there. And if this doesn't happen, judgment is going to come. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, I want that to happen. I want that to happen here. I want to happen, that to happen in every one of our lives. And this is a message this morning that no matter where you are, what station you are in your life, I want you to understand you can start today. You can start today. You may have messed a lot of things up, but today is, if you will, it's the do-over. You're not going to do everything you messed up, but it's the do-over in your life in which you say we are going to organize and order our family for God. And that's vitally important, tremendously important. I want us to understand that in 2019, God's design for the home is still perfect. Our, uh, the homes of our people and other people are a little bit far from perfect, but God's design is still perfect. We minister to an increasingly diverse family structure, and this requires wisdom, it requires insight, and it requires amazing grace. There are huge social trends that are occurring today that are affecting the family. I just read an article recently outlining some of these trends. I'm going to pick out, I picked out three that I want to throw in front of you. There are many others. We could spend the hour doing this. But number one, adolescence is being prolonged today. This is sometimes called child-centered homes. Now look, I'm a baby boomer. I was born in that period that says I'm a baby boomer. Let's put it that way. And it was like this. I didn't have it and you don't need it. That's what we told our girls. I didn't get it, you aren't either. We were just terrible. <laughs> now there was a reaction to that. And I see that in some of my, couple of my kids. There was a reaction to boomer parents who said that. I didn't have it and you don't need it. And it goes like this. We didn't get it, but we're going to make sure that you do. <laughs> and that is, that happens on many occasions. And so we give our children a lot of things. We give them a car. You know, I made a comment to somebody recently. I was driving by the Humboldt High School parking lot. I said, my goodness, these cars are really good. I mean, we were driving junk <laughs> back in the 60s. Half of the hoods were up after school. We're trying to get jump started. Can you push me a little bit? I'll pop the clutch. <laughs> My dad wasn't afraid to say, you can also walk home too, you know. That won't hurt you. You've been sitting all day long. <laughs> See, I mean, I, no, it's, I'm surprised I made it. And so parents live their lives around children's athletics and academics and all kinds of things. And unfortunately, sometimes these kids, when they leave home, here's the problem. They begin to realize the workplace just simply does not revolve around them. I mean, this is a shocking surprise. The workplace does not revolve around them. And uh, uh, now we have to accept some responsibility. Adolescence being prolonged, it changes. The dynamics change. Family dynamics are changing. Many young couples are waiting until later in life to not only get married, but to have children. All of these things, all of these things have an influence in the church. And I'm not saying they're all bad or anything like that, but they are influence, 
There are influences that do affect the life of the church. Number three, more people are remaining single. And I just read this in a Pew Research poll that uh, reported that half of the adults today in the United States, this was stunning, half of the U.S. adults today are unmarried. There are also more U.S. adults under the age of 25 that are cohabiting rather than getting married. That is profound. Okay, there's some of the bad news. Now we, let's do some good news stuff, okay? How do we be positive in this? This is what I believe the church can be doing, and there are many other things. This is an awfully short list of five or six people, or five or six things. Here's some things. We need to teach everyone to honor biblical marriage. I really believe that. Biblical marriage, God's plan for marriage is a union between a man and a woman for life. We need to esteem marriage as highly valuable. Number two, we need to recognize blended and single parent families. Listen to me very carefully on this one. I'm saying that because there are definitely those people in this room right now. And we need to make sure that they are welcomed and they are included in everything that we do in this church. Because I believe this, they have stories that can have the potential of painting a story of God's redemptive work and purposes in their life. They've been through a lot of stuff, and God walked them through it. God was with them, and God did some powerful things, and we need to hear it. It'll do us good. Remarried and single parents sometimes feel forgotten, sometimes even judged, unfortunately, judged in some situation. I don't want this to ever be true in this church. We're to extend grace to those who have experienced this difficulty of, of divorce and then having remarried and all of these things that may, and maybe they aren't remarried. But folks, we extend grace in this place. That's what we do. It's what we do. Number three, we need to recognize that parents should be the primary voice to the children of our congregation. As a church leader, I want us to be, come alongside. I want to be a partner with parents and, and families. I believe the combined influence of the family and the church can be a very powerful influence and can reinforce the message of God in a child's heart. I want to be a partner in that. Number four, we've been doing this already here, but we'll continue to do so. We will provide premarital Counseling and uh, counseling. <laughs> and this is going to be a priority for people who need to get, who want to get married in our church. We're going to do that. Because we, uh, we just said we need to honor biblical marriage. And sometimes people don't understand that very well. This gives us an opportunity to help. And finally, I want to invite every family to be a part of God's big family. His big family. And that's God's family. No matter what our homes were like when we were growing up, what our families have gone through, or what our household looks like now, God wants us to be a part of his family. You need to be solidly connected to the church. I mean really connected. Be faithful. 
regularly attend the services, get involved in Sunday school. We've had some great options all year long coming into this summer of various things, that, especially for adults. This is vital for a stability in a home. Families, structures can be changing and they are changing. And they'll probably change some more. But understand this, we must love every person that walks through these doors, but as a caution, we are not going to redefine marriage and the family for this church. We need to understand that. We need to understand it. We will continue to preach with boldness, and that's going to be the truth of God. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about family living, and the more you get to know the Bible characters, you also discover how earthly they really are, and oftentimes how fallible they really were. You know, we point to David and declare David to be a great king, and he was a great king. He was a great king, but he wasn't much of a family man. And you read the story of David, and you're going to find a lot of disappointment, a lot of tough things. Some of them that David caused himself. And that helps me, doesn't it? That helps you too. I'm glad there's some people in this Bible that didn't... Oh, really do it all that well. And they had struggles as parents. And there's always things that we'd like to do over. We look at our kids today, and they're much older today. They have families now. And I don't do this quite as much as I used to. But there are times, there are occasions when I think, I wish we had done this with our kids. I wish we should have done that. But I want to tell you something. At every turn of the way, we believe that God was helping us. And he helped us through the mistakes that we made. He helped us through the errors and judgment and all of these things. And I'm going to tell you something, parent. God will help you too. And he wants to. He's not indifferent to what's going on. You know, this culture did not catch God by surprise. He knows what's going on. And I guarantee you, he's interested in helping you as a person and you as a family unit. God's blueprint for the family is right here in this Bible. It really is. And hear what the Spirit is saying because the message is sometimes the world doesn't understand very clearly. But today, set aside, please set aside the cultural diversions and the political correctness and all of these things and discover what God's plan is. And I want to tell you something. I hear, you know what? I hear this from dads. You know what? I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. And you know, we've been preaching a lot about this and we teach about it in Sunday school and everything. Dad, look, I, I, know, I know this is Mother's Day. <laughs> but dad, mom, start small. We're not expecting you to preach a sermon every morning to your kids. And they don't want a sermon every morning from you. Start small. Why not take, why not take a passage of this Bible? Why not take a paragraph out of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1? And Jesus sat down and he began to speak. Blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see the kingdom of God.
talk to your kids. Pray with your kids. Pray with them before they go out of school, out to school. I guarantee you, I, gar I promise you this, there'll be a moment in that day <clears throat> when they're confronted with this or that or whatever it is, there's going to be a moment in which they realize mom and dad are praying for me. And it's going to mean all the difference. It's going to help them. And that doesn't take any genius to do. It's really simple. Start simple and let God lead you on, okay? Can we do it? I know we can do a better job. I know we can up the, uh, raise the bar on this one. Let's do it. Let's raise the bar. Let's stand with me. I ran across a passage in Proverbs It simply says this, Proverbs 23, verse 25. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. I hope you'll make mom and dad, dad, let's throw dad in there too. I hope you'll make dad and mom just glad for you. We're glad we had you. You're great kids. Tell them that. Kids need that. We're going to pray right now, and then we're going to pray again in just a moment. But would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you today. The eternal word of God again speaks into our lives. It's a powerful message, challenging message. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you for little kids right now in kids' church that are praying for their moms and their dads. Right now, right now. Thank you for those little kids. Thank you for our teenagers. Thank you for our young guys and gals that have moved on into college and into the workforce. Thank you for every one of them. Father, I pray that you'll bless our homes and our families in profoundly spiritual and powerful ways. <clears throat> in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.